Welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us today. We hope that this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everybody. Again, you're welcome to Cork Church. Those who are tuning in online, we're delighted that you're here and delighted to have our guests this morning all the way from Dartford. Lovely to meet you. Look forward to having a cup of tea maybe later. And I do encourage you as well, as Patrick was saying about the hospitality ministry, as different ministries here in the church begin to open up, um, our children's ministry, youth, young adults, um, there's so many areas that you can be involved and make a contribution to the work of God here. I think everybody should. Can you say amen to that? Can I embarrass you to say an amen into that? Amen. That, um, that please be a tired pair, but also give of your substance of yourself, because I think there's something very wonderful when we start to engage wholeheartedly in the service of the Lord. And I want to talk about wholeheartedness this morning, something that the Lord has been challenging me with, actually, because sometimes our hearts can become divided, and uh, sometimes we get distracted, and uh, it can lead us into, you know, uh, a sort of existence as a Christian that's very tepid, uh, bordering on lukewarm. Um, it's, it's easy to get distracted with the cares of this life. It's easy to lower our expectation to the mere material world and uh, lose out on the eternal, the eternal world. Amen. And uh, my encouragement to you this morning as we come around the Word of God is that maybe God will challenge your heart as he's challenging my heart to be wholehearted for him. If you have a Bible, I'd like you to turn to the book of uh, Joshua. And we're reading from verse uh, chapter 14 and verse 6. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jehunah, the Kezanite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses... The servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made, my, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, and he has said these, as he has said these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke the word, this word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, here I am this day, 85 years old, as yet I am as strong uh, the day as, I'm, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, for going out and for coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jehunah, the Hezanite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. 
He's a very interesting character. You've heard me speak upon Caleb in the past. And Caleb, of course, is not a natural Jew. He's a Canaanite. He's a Canaanite, part of the uh, Edomites, basically, of Ishmael's line. But somewhere along the journey, he was inspired uh, to attach himself to the royal tribe of Judah. And uh, in, that, in that journey, when Israel has been formed into a nation from the Lord, he caught the vision. He caught the vision of Moses. He, caught, he saw what God was doing, and he wholly followed the Lord. It's a great picture, actually, when you look at Caleb and Joshua, a Jew and a Gentile, entering into the promised land together. It's a phenomenal picture type, because that's the plan of God. It's not just the seed of, uh, of, uh, of Abraham. It's the seed of Adam. Amen. God so loved the world. It's everybody. It's not just a particular DNA group that God favors over another, or God, God preferred one to use to bring about the Savior, because that was his sovereignty. But the heart of God is all men. That means you and me. It took a long time for me as a Christian to believe that I was part of all. Because there's something inside us that is so self-effacing, so, so self-doubting about our worth and our value that we exclude ourselves from the promises of God. And that's the battle of our faith, isn't it? To really believe what God says above what we think. You know, if there's a battle between what God says and what you say, then let God win. Amen. If God, God is the best one to make an appraisal of your life. And the, the great act of the Christian is to learn how to say thank you and amen, and I receive it in Jesus' name. And so we have this man, this Caleb, and it's interesting, his name means, uh, his name means dog. And uh, so you, you can imagine that maybe along the journey, this Gentile dog was looked down upon by some of the more spiritual brethren. But somewhere in his journey, his name had a new emphasis. If you go down into the root of the name, eventually the name became known as wholehearted. So it's, it's like a man who's got a testimony. He's got a past and he's got a, he's got a, he's got a testimony where God saved him out of and where God brought him to. And he became, he became a man that became completely and absolutely absorbed with the purposes of God. He believed in him wholeheartedly. When he was 40 years of age in the wilderness, when he saw the promised land that God had promised Israel, he absolutely was convinced that they could take the land. And of course, his brethren fell into unbelief. And unbelief is the battle of all Christians of all ages, friends. It's not so much to do with transgression. Transgressions are sins. Thanks be to God for the blood of Jesus. Amen. It washes away our sins. Praise God today, friends. Our battle is not with transgression. Our battle is with faith versus unbelief. The battle of the Christian is the battle of faith. To believe what God says about you and what God is bringing to you and to reject every other notion. And Caleb was an example of this wholeheartedness. A time when the nation became tepid, he came back with a great report. A born outside of the covenant people, but adopted into Judah. This is a man of vision, a man of faith. A man, for 40 years, he, uh, he journeyed in the wilderness. Now he's 85 years old. And, uh, you know, no, ma no matter how many times we talk about Caleb, it would always put a smile on our collective faces as Christians because, we, we, you know, you think at 85 you're washed up. You know, you've had your chance. But I, I want to tell you, I met some people this morning that are closer to 85 than what I am, and I, I think they're getting younger. There's something, there's something about the man or woman of God that will abide in the promises of God. There's like an eternal youth upon them. There's something of the Spirit of God comes upon you and me when we simply align ourselves to the plan of God. 
where we say, no, that's what I believe in. I don't feel I'm up to it, but I believe it. But it's not about my feelings, it's about what God says. And so the battle is always going to be that way. Tomorrow morning when you face that rabid boss, when you go into that place of employment where everything is against you, when you go into that school where, on, where, where these false sciences are being rammed, rammed down your throat and worldviews that are absolutely ridiculous are being put upon you, you have to say, I believe what God says. I put my pitch in with him, regardless of these false uh, ideologies and these false influences around me. The battle of the Christian is to push through in faith and we have this incredible picture of this man. He wanted to go up into the mountains of Hebron. Now anybody that knows anything about military that's the last place you want to go. I mean if you're going to volunteer, you don't want to volunteer if you're a soldier to go to the front line. Let me tell you, you probably want to go with the medical corps or with supplies or the engineers or whatever. But this man was wholehearted. He really believed that one with God was the majority. He really believed, friends, in there weren't bumper stickers that he put on his cart going along for 40 years in the wilderness. I believe uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But he's cowering away and, and just, you know, shining his armor in his tent and just talking about some glory days. There's a man full of belief that let me out of God, show me the direction. What do you want of me? And he knew the call of God. And he went for the most difficult part of the terrain, the mountain areas. That's what he went for. He didn't go for the easy life. He didn't say, oh, just give me the easy ministry to do. Just give me the lovable ones in the church to look after. Just give me the well-heeled or, or the, you know, the well-educated ones to, to shepherd or to love. Put me in an environment you know, where everyone has got nice white teeth and straight hair instead of curly hair and not nice teeth. But... Uh, just bring me into this realm. No, he wanted what was difficult because he knew there was a, an eternal reward there. And this man, he had to go up against some awful foes. He had to go into a region where spiritual warfare, friends, where the attack was upon his mind. We know that the Anakim lived there, the sons of Anak. The Moabites called them the Emin, the terrors, the horrible ones. You know, friends, if you want to go higher in God, I want to tell you, friends, we battle not against flesh and blood. You know, he wanted to go to Hebron. Now, the word Hebron means fellowship. And I, I want you to journey. I want you to see this. See, the things in the scriptures are written to show us a higher meaning to life. They're showing us, they're always an allegory. They're always a picture type of real events that have real outcomes, have real situations. But the ultimate aim behind the scripture is to raise your eyes higher to something else. And this man, Caleb, even though he knew God, he knew the purposes of God, he wanted to live in fellowship with God. He says, the rest of my life, I want to be where God is. I want to go there. Whatever the cost is, it's going to be cheap compared to what I'm going to receive. And so he set his face to go to Hebron. He wanted fellowship. Up in Hebron, he had to deal with the terrors, the horrible ones. Others called them the Rephahim, the shady ones or the ghostly ones. You know, friends, the mysterious ones. Some call them the Zamzums when you look into history. Those who speak gibberish. They were described as giants. One was Og. He had a bed of six foot by 12 foot. These were lands that were held by terrorizing uh, tribes of people, friends, that worshiped demonic gods. And, and Caleb simply said, give me that Hebron. Give me that hill. That's where Abraham is buried. That's where Isaac is buried. That's where Sarah is buried. That's where God made a covenant with Abraham. And I want to go to the promises of God. 
It's Hebron. He understood the significance of it. He understood the significance of the ancient paths. He understood the significance of the inheritance and the promises of God. And no price was too expensive for him, friends, to go and apprehend everything that God had for him. He had a wholeheartedness. And I want to tell you, the enemy is going to come and try to divide your heart as a Christian. He had to battle through. He wanted what was higher. He had a different spirit. He had to endure 40 years of negativity. 40 years of tepid Christians around him who had a, who had a pseudo-spiritual argument as to why it wasn't the right time to go into the land. And Moses got a little bit wrong. And our theology says this and all these sort of plausible reasons. But no, he knew God had called him to an inheritance, friends. Like God is calling you and me. God has something greater for you. God has something greater for me, friends. Because if he doesn't, you might as well go to heaven now because life is meaningless. There is purpose for your life. There is more for you to discover than God. There's more for you to experience in God. And Caleb had survived 40 years in the wilderness, but there was more, friends. Surely an 85-year-old man would be just kind of winding down and going to the solicitor and preparing his will and saying, I've had a good innings here. At least I've seen the quail and I've seen the manna and I've seen the water from the rock and I've seen the sun stand still. I've seen it all, really. What more can you ask of a man? I've endured in faith, but no. It isn't over till it's over. And it's hope for every Christian today of every age, no matter how old, you're not too old and you're certainly not too young, that no one despise your youth. Don't let someone rob you this morning, young person, by saying, oh, you have to be at least 85 before you break through. You have to be, oh, no, Jesus was 12. Oh, hallelujah. A boy at 12, I must be about my father's business. He knew what he was about and you can know what you're about. And God can bring you to somewhere greater, friends. God wants to lead you to something greater. 40 years of negativity, 40 years of death, 40 years of seeing loved ones dying along the road, 40 years, you know, I just woke up this morning to the news of another RTE, Newcaster, Newcaster icon, just died 82 years of age. I'm just thinking, I was thinking to myself, everybody that I know is starting to die. There was a time it was all my parents' friends were dying. Now it's starting to be my friends and my heirs dying because we all passed through that time of life. But in the midst of death, there was a vision in this man's heart. Hallelujah. And he knew that it wasn't going to be without a fight. Now I want to tell you, in the new covenant, we have an open heaven. I want to tell you, the veil of the temple is torn in two. The veil was put there to block people because of sin. They couldn't come into the presence of a holy God. It symbolized that God was holy. You could not come in. And so God, in a punitive way, denied access to people because of the sinful nature and because sin was not atoned for a done. And so there was temporal means of fellowship where God would, would, would definitely meet the need of people, but not that life-transforming, that born-again spirit would have to come as a promise through the seed of Christ. And so in the New Covenant, we understand that the, the, the heavens are open to us, friends. The way is open. But I want to tell you, friends, to get from here to there, we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we do battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. If you think for one second, just because it's an open heaven, that you're not involved in the fight, and you don't have to pick up the, the armory of the Spirit, you don't have to pick up the sword of the Spirit, you don't have to pick up the shield of faith, friends, you don't have to open up your Bible. You think that for one second, friends, you're not even getting off the ground. I'm as strong now at 85 as I was then. Oh, I am so inspired when I meet men and women like that. 
regardless of the living, regardless of the dying, regardless of the disappointments, they're always looking higher. They're always saying there's more. Hallelujah. I see it in my mom. I see it in Bertie's. I'm sorry for turning out names like that this morning. But I see inspiration of men and women that have walked with God, regardless of death being around them at times, and yet going for souls and going for the worst of them and believing God for more. I love it, friends. It's inspiring. Caleb is an inspiration. A man that was once a dog, a Gentile, outside of the commonwealth of Israel, brought in, brought into the promises of God, laying hold of them, and now becoming wholehearted for them. He had to battle through the shady ones, the darknesses. Caleb wanted Hebron. He wanted fellowship. 3,000 feet above sea level. Heavily fortified. But he knew Abraham's body was there. He knew that's where the covenant was made. He knew Sarah was there. Isaac was buried there. He wanted what was higher. He had a different spirit. He wanted what was higher. And I believe every Christian has the same spirit. Regardless of the confusion that sometimes, regardless of, of sometimes us getting silly and distracted like silly children, there is that homing beacon of the Spirit. There is that urging of God that there's something more, Nick. Come on, there's something more than just lying in a beach in Crete. By the way, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. But there's something more. I've been there, bought the T-shirt. I think I'm getting greased a fair old whack. I'm back home now. There's something more. There's something more than self-indulgence. There's something more than pampering yourself. There's something more than just getting a new set of curtains or getting a new career or even a lovely baby being born. We had a beautiful little baby boy born to us. To us, to, our, to my, my son. I would be looking for a star if it was to us. And so in, in all these things, <laughs> my wife is going to kill me afterwards. And in all these things, friends, it's still not enough. There's something higher. To take, to partake of the pleasures of this world. To go out. I, I talked to someone recently and they, told, they just told me they got a new job working on a Sunday, can't make church. My heart sank. Oh my word. Are you going to let that take over your life? Because there's nothing at the end of that rainbow. You're just one week away from poverty, and they'll let you go one day and give you a golden handshake if and you're yesterday's man, and yet the house of God can become something that becomes dormant in your life. If your job takes you out of the house of God, get a new job. Can I hear an amen? Because I want to tell you, fellowship is more important. Fellowship is more, Hebron is more important. Fellowship is more important. He understood he had to battle. He understood he had to wrestle. He understood that there was enemies there, friends, that would taunt him. Dark darknesses that you and I have never encountered. We saw the horrendous events that are happening unfolding in Afghanistan. And our heart bleeds for the church there. The darknesses that are being now manifesting again. Door-to-door -door searches, rapes and murders of Christian people and others. You know, the horrible darknesses have visited them. But I want to say in all these things, they are more than conquerors. Dead friends, the Bible says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And the fire shall not overcome you, friends. And even if it should overcome you, the fire can't destroy because you live on. Even if you succumb to the flood and succumb to the, flood, the fire, what Isaiah is saying, regardless of that, you have, it can't hurt you. What do you mean it can't hurt me? I just died. Yeah, but to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. 
to lay hold of these incredible truths. Oh, I think Caleb knew in his heart he was invincible. I am until God says I'm not. There's nothing can come against me. God's called me to this hill country. I want to be in fellowship. I want to go to Hebron. And the eyes of the Lord, the Bible says, go to and fro this earth to see whose heart is like this, completely his, whose heart is wholehearted. Fully there, friends. Singleness of heart. A heart for fellowship. Caleb, he battled fears, friends. He battled evil enemies. He battled unbelief, other people's unbelief. He battled to have fellowship with God. And I want to tell you today, if you want to be a wholehearted Christian, you're going to have to start battling to open your Bible. And you're going to have to start battling to go to prayer, as I have to. And you're going to have to battle to go to fellowship. Regardless of coronavirus, we understand legal restrictions. We obey the law of the land, and you're online, but now there's a lifting. There's a time where fellowship is important. There's a time when God says, I will give you a grace through a lens. I will give you a grace for the, because there's been upsets in history, friends. Famines, wars, movements of people, pestilence, all these things have broken up. Pattern of lifestyle. And God met us with his grace there. But the Bible says, neglect not the assembly of yourself together. Some are in the habit of doing. But all together more, encourage one another as you see the day approaching. There comes a time when even fellowship, one of the great graces. And I didn't design the church, friends. I'm sure I would have done a far better job than Jesus when he designed his church. Not. He designed it as a body. He designed it as a place where he would show himself in greater glory. He designed it as a place where he'd show himself as a greater healer. When two or three to gather together in my name, I am present. In a, in a way, friends, that is not the same as in your home. It's not the same. And, and, and I want to tell you, Caleb was wholehearted. Whatever fight he had to fight to get that sense of fellowship with God, he availed of it. Whatever was in the armory, whatever tactic, friends, he opened that book. He saw the promises of God were yes and amen. I'm sure, the, I'm sure the words of Moses were floating around as if it were an oral tradition, if it was a literal book, but he would have brought to memory that I'm giving you this land today, says the Lord, amen. A land flowing with milk and honey. I'm sure he reminded himself of the promises of God and he didn't waver. When he had the battle through unbelief, and I want to tell you, Christian, stop wavering. Stop being tepid of heart. Stop being less than wholeheartedness. The hour that we live in deserves a, a, a Christian that is fully, fully on for God, more than now than ever. It was great when you got saved, but we didn't have pandemics and a world tinkering on the edge of destruction. Oh, it was great to have passion back then. And now, now you can kind of fall into it. Everyone loses their first love. Humbug to that, friends. Get back to first love. Get back to wholeheartedness. Get back poor scorn and that attitude very quickly. Begin to flee and say, I, whatever cost it takes me to get into that place with God, whatever cost it takes me to open up that Bible, whatever cost it takes me to get in my car and drive to court church on a Sunday morning, stop counting the petrol price. No cost. It's too great for you, friends, to be drawing fellowship with God's people and the presence of the Holy Spirit. I don't care if it's a job. I don't care. Oh, you watched too much Jack Bauer 24 last night. You can't make church. Get out of bed. Be wholehearted. Nobody knows what Jack Bauer is anymore. He's 24. That's about 10, 15 years ago. I'll tell you a funny story. John Bailey's watching. He's going to kill me. One of my pastors years ago with me, he's now pastoring the stage. But oh, it was so funny. He was, I, 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 this is 10, 12 years ago. He's sitting in the front row and preaching, and I know this is beginning to nod off. And he's not like that at all. He's one of the most diligent men I know. He's a wonderful man of God, doing a great work for the Lord. And 
So uh, afterwards, I said, John, you're looking tired this morning, you know? And he's, he, was, uh, he was just kind of giving me this sort of fob off. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a bit tired. And his son interjected. He says, we were watching the series 24 on Netflix. And we were just saying, one more episode, Dad. One more episode, Dad. And it went into 3 o'clock. And the dad has gone red-faced. You know? <laughs> We've all done it, friends. And some sort of level, some sort of slip-up. It's not about slipping up. Dad is getting back into the slipstream. That is reforming, regrouping, and understanding that Hebron, fellowship with God, to get into the fellowship of his sufferings. That I may know him, Paul says. No price is too great, friends, for us to start carving out again into that place of making him the pearl of great price. The treasure hidden in the field. Oh, that, that parable can be taken both ways legitimately. Legitimately. It can be Christ taking the treasure, or it can be us taking the treasure, friends, because it is that sort of relationship. And a relationship has two ways, the type of commitments. It's not just all one way. It's where we also look at him as the pearl of great price, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. Caleb saw something. That's where Abraham was. That's where Sarah is. That's where God gave him the promise for the world. I'm going up there. That's where I want it. If I'm going to die anywhere, I'm going to die in fellowship. I'm going to die in Hebron. Fought it. I want to ask you this morning, will you battle again to open your Bible? Will you battle again against the darkness, the, the world of flesh and the devil, and start to pray? It's not going to be easy. I want to tell you, every distraction of your flesh, every doorbell that rings, everything that pings on your contraption in front of you to take your attention away from proper concentration. I'm going to ask you, will you battle again to have fellowship, not just with God, but with your brothers and sisters in the Lord? I'm going to ask you to battle again to keep your hand on the plow and keep plowing straight furrow. Keep your eyes on Jesus that you don't be going lopsided in life. Philippians says, Paul's, I just quoted a second ago, that I may know him. Philippians 3 10. That I may know him. What do you mean you, that you may know him, Paul? You're brought up to the third heaven. For heaven's sake, if anybody knows him, you know him. He says, That I may know him. And the Hebron, the fellowship, of his, of his suffering, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, and to be conformed into his image, be conformed to his death, friends. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest Lest any man fall short of the same example of unbelief. And he's talking about the example, exactly what Caleb had to go through. The example was the children of Israel falling into unbelief and not entering into the plans and purposes of God. He says, we have to labor, friends. So I want to tell you, friends, you're a laborer. You're an ambassador, you're a laborer, you're a laborer for Christ. And you're a laborer that has been given everything pertaining to life and godliness. You may say you have very little strength, but God will give you the strength to open the Bible. I don't have much strength to pray, that's okay. God will give you the strength to pray. He will give it to you. He'll give it to me. But it's a battle. The Zanzumas are there. The Imanims are there. The dark ones, the terrors, the tremors. Everything from hell will come against you. But fellowship is worth it. I want to tell you, I've had great delights in my life. I've been highly privileged. I thank God for that. I don't apologize for it. I thank God for it. But I tell you, there's no greater privilege. There's no greater reward than knowing the nearness of his presence. 
I want to tell you right now, as, as a friend, as a pastor, you, whatever you're chasing, whatever you're looking, there is nothing at the end of that rainbow. But I want to tell you, friends, he is the lily of the valley. He is the bright and morning star. He is the fairest of 10,000. He's the one that truly loves you. He's the one whose heart is aching for you. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, he said. How I would have gathered you like a mother hen would gather her chicks. But you would not come. And that's what he's on about. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Labor to enter in that rest. That you don't fall into the same example of unbelief and fall under the wheel of history, friends. As a defeated, joyless Christian who can talk about God but can't talk for him. Can name Bible verses but they've never been a personal revelation to you. You can speak the truths of God that can be imbibed by others but you yourself have not drank of them. You can tread the grape but not drink the wine. You can dance on the wheat, but never eat the lovely bread, friends. You can build a house, but never live there. You can earn the clothing, but never really enjoy them. Hebrews 10, 25 says, Forsake not the assembly of yourselves. Don't abandon the New American Standard verses. Don't abandon fellowship, friends. Don't abandon meeting together. Don't neglect meeting together. Don't abandon, give, don't give up coming together. Don't abandon fellowship, friends. You'd start doing it in the house of God. I want to tell you, friends, you'll do it in every other area of your Christian life. Those of you behind lenses watching this morning, we welcome you. But we commend you to find a house of God and begin to become attached to that. That's God's pattern. That's God's way. This message is not solely about going to church. Not at all. This is about being wholehearted. This is every year of our life. Jeremiah 29, 13. And ye shall seek me, and you will find me when you search for me. With all your heart. New Living Translation said, when you search for me wholeheartedly. I am learning, after all these years, there is utility in the prayer as I turn over on my pillow. Or sit on my throne in the bathroom. Or drive along with these cars. What is utility to that? But I want to tell you, there is power when I set my face. There's power when I deliberately. There's power when I break through these awful vices that would hold me onto other good things, from grandchildren to gardens, whatever it may be. And this is what Caleb had. Wholeness of heart. Wholeheartedly follow the Lord. You know, I think of our Savior, who so wanted fellowship with you and I. He so wanted fellowship. You must remember, that's the narrative. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. We were mindless, trapped in sin, running around like headless chickens, dying in divine friends and falling off the edge of it into eternity. But Christ so much wanted fellowship for us that he had to ascend another hill called Calvary. He had to fight through the terrors of darkness, friends, the world, the flesh, and the devil. He had to endure such hostilities against himself. Why? Because he wanted fellowship with you. He wanted fellowship with me. The cross was Jesus, the true Caleb, that went all the way, friends, for you and I, so that he could bridge a gap of fellowship, so that he could come to us for the joy that was set before him, endure it. And for the joy that should be set before us, the reward of touching the heart of God and hearing from the heart of God and sensing his presence. It is so worth it, friends. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. 
But there's one day in your courts and a thousand elsewhere. David was trying to say, the most menial position is so much better than the courts of the wicked. The wicked were opulent. They had kingdoms and kings and everything this world have, every delight the flesh would want. But he's seen that. He even had it himself. He fell foul to it even. But he said, oh my, when I look at it now, I'd rather, be, I'd rather just, just be there just in, the pres- in your presence. To every backslidden Christian, to every tepid Christian, when are you going to drop that beer? When are you going to stop getting rid of those cigarettes? When are you going to start switching off that internet? What has it brought your life? What has your divided heart got you? What is your lack of serving the Lord and all you're doing is serving yourself? Well, what has it brought you? Are you happier? Are you more complete? Or do you want to go another day with more of the same your backslidden groundhog day, getting older in time that you will never get back passing you by. How long more? How long more are you going to live a divided heart? How long more are you going to make excuses like the children of Israel did? Are you going to die like they did in a desert of delusion? Are you going to die in a desert of despair? Is your portion going to be like a rocky or could have been a contender? Is that what you're going to write in your epitaph on your, on your gravestone? Or will it be this man? He wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but he was wholehearted. He latched on, I want fellowship with God. I want Hebron, and no demon of hell is going to keep it back. Nothing is going to hold that back. And the inheritance of every Christian is fellowship with God. That is the inheritance, and you have to take hold of that inheritance. You and I, friends, have to be deliberate in setting our face to our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me today, O oh God, my daily bread, because I can't give myself anything. I can't add one cubit to my stature. I can't make one hair go gray and another one go dark. I can't extend my life by a second or a breath. You hold the Lord in your hands. Give me today, O oh God, my daily bread. Forgive me my trespasses. Help me to forgive those. I will forgive those who trespass against me. Lead me not into temptation but deliver me from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and in ever. Wholehearted Christian, the example is Christ, the ultimate Caleb, who ascends the hill of Calvary and extracts fellowship for us at such a tremendous cost. Not with the palsy things like silver and gold have you been purchased with, but with the precious, 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 always precious, and if you've lost a sense of preciousness to you, well, God help you. It's still precious to me. And it's precious to God. The most precious thing in this world to the Father was the blood of his own son. The precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to ask you, are you going to be wholehearted? Is this morning the message that you respond to before the Lord said, Lord, I've been divided in my heart. And with that division in my heart, the house divided against itself was not standing and I haven't stood. I've been falling, I've been faltering. I want to tell you right now, there is no condemnation. God's not condemning you. You're already under the load of, you're reaping in your body, you're reaping in your mind, you're reaping in your life the, the choices you've made. And God is looking, they're not helpless. He's all the power to deliver you. He says, I've got fellowship for you. I love you. Nothing's changed towards me in my heart. I haven't put the veil back up. I haven't boarded back up the Holy of Holies. I haven't said that you have to, but Jerusalem, come to me. Right now, backslider, tepid Christian, 
Start saying, I'm laying it down. I'm giving these things up. You know, I did my battle tomorrow. I'll give them up again tomorrow. But I'm giving them up. I'll give them up the next day. I'm giving up. I want to tell you, friends, when you start setting your face like Christ did for the joy set before you, God will bring the victory. It won't even be your discipline or your rigid attitude, but God will honor the desire of your heart. And God will bring the deliverance through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will stand in the house of God or any opportunity God gives you, and you will declare that God has been faithful to me. Surely God has been good to Israel, to all those who have been afar, and I was one of those. But now wholeheartedness has gripped me again. It's an hour for us to be wholehearted, brothers and sisters. Caleb is an inspiration, but I thank God for Jesus this morning. Because, oh, he wanted fellowship with us, friends. And he paid a massive price for it. Let's not trample underfoot that price, friends. Let's not neglect it. How shall you escape if you don't pay attention to such a great salvation? If you neglect it, don't heed it. How sh- you won't escape because you're not escaping now. You're feeling the weight of isolation from God. It's an awful... Uh, I, I'm not going to even ask for a show of hands, but I know what it feels like to feel isolated from God because of my own foolishness. It is the most horrible place for the Christian. But I've also known what it is to dwell in the courts. And I want to say this morning, and I hope you can say in your heart, God, I've wandered in a wilderness. It could be, I don't, it could be years for you. It could be months. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But I am wholeheartedly laying hold of God. Will you stand with me this morning as we're going to go to God in prayer? Maybe our worship team can come back just for a moment. Please don't run out. Can you just give us another few minutes? Because I do, I do believe here this morning there's men and women and God is challenging us, friends. We are living at a, a, we're living at a tipping point in history like none other. We are living a time in history where man has the ability to destroy himself 20 times over. With pestilence and, and, and viruses can just travel where years ago you couldn't, it's very hard to go from continent to continent. There was no airplanes. Transport wasn't the same. Now we have an ability to destroy all life so quickly. And we have enough evil people in this world that would happily do it. There's a lot of psychopathic people out there, leaders as well. We're living in a time, friends, where it is, it's, it is just, it is the Christian more than ever needs to be wholehearted to give an example. I think this morning of the Afghan church, I read a report early morning this morning. And uh, the report coming out of Afghanistan is that we are no longer hiding. We're sick of hiding. Didn't say the word sick, but they're not hiding anymore. They're going door to door and and leading people to Christ. And many of them are being taken out and are being beheaded and killed on the spot for it. But instead of cowering in their homes, hiding, now, others are hiding, and I'm not against that either. I mean, if it was me, I think I would, I would be a hider until I got that courage from the Lord. But the, the courage is not from them, it's from the Lord. And they are coming out of their homes, and they're ministering to other Arabs in that region and preaching Christ, and the gospel is going forward, and people are receiving Jesus. I read it this morning in Church in Chains. These are the early reports coming out of the Christian. That's a wholehearted Christian. That's, a real, that's what God can do for you and for me. I was sure if we had to talk to any of those people five years ago, they would have had their struggles like us and they would have never seen that situation for them. And they would have never thought it possible to have the courage. But I want to tell you, friends, they're no better than us, they're no worse than us. Is What it is is the presence of God has been allowed to do his work in them 
and to fill them with courage because our heart will say, Lord, whatever it is, if I die, I die. If I live, I live for the glory of God and for the souls of men. And I want you and I to reach out to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I want that spirit of Caleb. I want a different spirit, Lord. The spirit I've been living under has been my own carnal spirit, my own mind, my own idea, my own anapromorphic thinking of you, what you should look like. It look, and the way I'm living looks nothing the way you live, Jesus. It looks nothing like these men and women of, of Afghanistan living. My lifestyle has just led me to be a, a, a boring old voice that throws a few comments out in the internet. I'm miserable to the core, but God, I don't want that. And I don't want that for me, and I don't want it for you. And if that's you today, say, I want purpose. Why don't you just simply raise your hand? Close, let's close our eyes because it does make, help people to, to respond. And I do think response is very, very important. I think response is very, very important. Otherwise, you, you stand back like some sort of connoisseur. That was a good message for so-and-so. It's a good message for all of us. It's a message from the Lord, I believe, for our church. Now, if you're this morning, you're here. So, Pastor, my heart has been wholehearted for a long time. Raise your hands to the Lord and say, I surrender, Lord. I'm giving it all back, Lord. I'm so sorry. Lord, I, I, I'm so distracted. I've been so foolish. Some of you, you've been foolish, and it's not even be bad things. You know? I mean, it could even be healthy things can be family all these things but I want to tell you you missed the greatest thing the greatest thing is to live your life to what God would what would you have me do Lord battle through remember this from the, he had to battle through the M&Ms the dark ones the Zinzumas the ones that spoke the darknesses the battles and you're going to have to do the same to open your Bible today before you go to bed tonight and read the word of God and tomorrow morning We discovered something lovely in our vacation. My wife doesn't like me talking personally, but you know, in our early marriage, we'd, we would talk and read and pray. But then as you, you go on in the marriage, like, oh, she has to drop the kids, I have to go to work, and you, you, you don't get those sort of times. You know, and, and sometimes, but the Lord was just showing us, man, even though we'd have our own private times with the Lord every day, reading and praying, the importance of us as a couple again coming back. Just in the holiday, the Lord really touched that in our hearts. They had to pray every day together. You know, there was no condemnation in it. You know, you get busy as a family, you get busy in life. You're running out, you're running in. It's hard to choreographer late at night, you're exhausted, whatever it may be. But you know what? I believe that for couples here, God's going to say to you as well: Start praying together, start loving each other, start opening the word together again. Amen. Start being wholehearted for the things of God. That's just one little aspect, friends. Just a tiny little thing. But whatever it is for you today, why don't you say to the Lord, God, I'm all in. I want that Caleb spirit. I'm giving it all to you this morning. And just raise their hand. You know, the children raise their hands. My grandchildren come in and their arms go up straight away to their papa. And I don't care even what moms and dads have to say. I'm always giving them a chocolate. I'm always giving them something. It's the goodness of it, Pop. But your God, your Father in heaven wants to bless you today. He wants to bless you. He wants to lavish you with love. He wants you to have the experience of his presence. Do you know why he wants that? Because his son fought for fellowship for you. I want you to think about that. Jesus fought to have fellowship. He fought to have fellowship. As Caleb fought to have fellowship. Lord, I pray for every believer here, Lord. I pray the blessing of God over their homes, their minds, their families. That prayer, Lord, they will battle through again and start to pray. They will battle through, open up the word. They will battle through and come to fellowship, Lord. Not, not neglected. They will battle and be generous, O oh God, with their time, with themselves, with their money, and they will battle for the kingdom. And Lord, as they find themselves in that place, as Ruth, Lord, in that great story, Lord Jesus, how she was, Lord, in the middle of the harvest field, 
laboring for her little, little nobody Naomi. And there Boaz saw her, Lord. So you too, our Boaz, will see us. And you'll see us with the hand on the plow and a heart full of love. And let that be an attribute. And I pray for every Christian. I pray for the backsidden ones. I pray for those who are caught. And they know exactly what that word caught means. And I pray, Lord, they will battle through caught and open their Bible again because you will speak. And they will battle through that caught and they will come to pray again and you will speak. And you will battle again, Lord God, as they give themselves to the work of God and the things of God. And the grace of God will flow to them. We bless you, Jesus. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website. It's www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time.